right. All right. Oh, <laughs> just dropped it. Hold on a minute. Sorry. <laughs> the microphone shield just came off. All right. Producer Reggie, are you ready to go? Yes, sir. Ready to spin your magic? So am I. All right, let's go. Let's get to it. I like where those uh, those levels are bopping. Keep it right there. Right there, sir. We should be fine. I'll give you the countdown. I'll give you the uh, uh, I'll give you the three S's. I'll give you the countdown. You give me the music. I'll give you a podcast. How's that? Okay, sir. We got to put it in the book, by the way. Episode 278. 278. All right. You ready to go? You look distracted. You, you're focused? Good. Okay. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Ready? Uh, three S's. Star, smile, strong. All right. Here we go. Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Podtastic. And welcome to another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com, or we are found wherever you go to download your favorite podcast. It only makes sense that we are there. Using deductive reasoning, because we are your favorite podcast. Being such, I would think that if I were you, I'd want to spread the word. Tell my friends, tell my family, tell anybody who... Listeners to podcasts, I would love to tell them that my favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. I would think you should do that too. So go ahead, send them a link, send them a message. Also, don't forget to rate and subscribe to this podcast. And then all of your obligations are done, except the most important to listen. And if you like what you're listening to, then don't forget, you go to WGNRadio.com, you go to the prompt for this podcast, and you will find years worth, years worth of previous podcasts that you can listen to at your leisure, get updated, hear what I've been talking about since May of 2016, five years of this podcast. And at last count, 278 episodes with this one. So what I'd like to talk about today, uh, it's, it's impossible, I would think, and I have refrained, as I've said many times on this podcast, I don't like to get um, overtly political. Because, as we all know, it is a dividing and divisive subject to talk about these days. It has been for several years. It seems to be even more now. Uh, But at the same time, it's almost impossible to do a podcast that talks about 
what is going on in the world, either within my little world of my own little life and my own experience or in the bigger world and my place in it, it's, it's hard not to at least on the fringes or ancillarily talk about probably the biggest ongoing issue that we face today. And that has been obviously the, uh, the COVID virus and, uh, and how we are coping with it. And how, and, and that's the, probably the best word. We are coping with it. We are not handling it by any means. Uh, and, uh, any t- and, 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 and we've seen these, these regular uh, dips and, and spikes. We've seen them. We've seen these surges uh, come and go. They always seem to follow a time when, when things just get low to a point. Instead of staying the course, we say, oh, it's over with, and we let down our defenses, and then, of course, the virus takes over again, and we have another surge. Uh, That's been been the pattern since March of 2020, and even with a vaccine, because of the fact that we've got a a very good portion of our population that uh, for whatever reason, whatever logic they're using will not get vaccinated. Uh, it only is perpetuating this, this pandemic. And as I said from the beginning, back in March in 2020, if you, if you go back to some of the old podcasts and go back to some from you know 18 months ago, you'll hear me talk about COVID because it was so new and it was such a... Uh, you know, I, 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 I guess I mean earth shattering. If for the time it was, if you think back to March and uh, and April, it was a scary time, and it was what we were talking about. And and I definitely had um, you know some opinions and some ideas about it, and um, and some predictions about it, and some fears about it in terms of how we would handle it. And sadly. Most of those predictions and most of those fears that I had have all come true because I did not give us a lot of <laughs> I did not give us a lot of credit or a lot a lot of hope for handling this in a very responsible way and we haven't. But I'm not going to get on that soapbox because all I'm saying is, you know, I, I, I could sit here and give you a big I told you so. But you know what? At this point, it's not even worth it. If 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 you don't think that we have failed miserably at handling this, then then I can't convince you, because I don't know what more evidence there is. But what I can talk to you about today is, I think how we all have tried, especially over the last several months, with the presence of the vaccine, those of us who have been vaccinated. And those who haven't have, have always kind of continued to move on with doing things. There, there's been a, a major kind of denial about that. And that's, once again, I mean, that is what it is. You know, I think there's a certain block of people whose uh, opinions you're not going to change as much as there is evidence to prove contrary to their beliefs. It, 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 it doesn't seem to matter. But what I want to talk about today is something kind of personal to me, um, and that is 
live music. I am a fan of live music and going to concerts for as long as I can remember. My first rock concert was Elton John in 1976, but with my parents, I had been going as a young child to see many musical acts. Now, obviously, they were more of my parents' generation because I was a little kid and they wanted to go see them. So I would, I, we, I, we, would, we would go to live entertainment shows. There was a great small venue uh, in the suburbs of Chicago called the Mill Run Theater, which was a great place to see a performer. It was a small venue uh, in the round, so everybody had a had a good view, and the stage itself rotated throughout the show. The stage moved, so everybody got a chance to see the the on their side as as it was in the round. It was it was a unique kind of thing, and and you could, it was funny the way the the performers would have to, you know, walk and take steps in order to. So that they wouldn't fall, or they wouldn't, they would in fact be, uh, you know, being shown to the to the audience in the round. It was an interesting kind of thing. But um, sometimes it did revolve, and sometimes it didn't. But it, the Mill Run had a, a an excellent excellent lineup of some of the top performers uh, musically as well as comedians. And so I, my parents and I went there uh, quite a bit when I was a little kid. So I had seen, I had been seeing live entertainment as I, since I was a, a, a very, a, a small kid, probably six or seven years old. Uh, and so maybe that's where this all started for me. But my first real rock concert, my first big concert in a huge arena. And I, I mean, I don't know if you would call it rock concert. I don't think I would. I saw Sonny and Cher, at the uh, Chicago Stadium before I saw Elton, but I wouldn't cons- I wouldn't call that a a rock concert. It was it was more of a it was more of a nightclub show just in a really big place. David Brenner, the great comedian who passed away several years ago, uh, opened up for Sonny and Cher. This was the early seventies. I don't even think he was that well known. I remembered him, I think, from watching him on the Tonight Show. Um, but it, but that was probably one of the big arena shows I ever saw. But I would not consider that a a rock concert. Sonny and Cher could have easily played the Mill Run. They were just so much more popular in the in the really early seventies. I probably saw them around seventy three or seventy four. They came to Chicago. Uh, went with my with my cousins. Uh, but I wouldn't consider that a rock concert. My first real concert concert was uh, was Elton at the same place the Chicago Stadium. But um so live performing, live music especially has always been a part of my life and as I grew older, uh, it it actually became something that I have done. Not just performing as I would consider being on the radio, but then I also have uh, have been an actor for almost the last uh 15 or 16 years haven't done it the last couple of years because of covid but um, so i've actually been on the stage and some and performed in some fairly big theaters as well so it's 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 kind of come full circle but maybe that's where i got the 
the first uh, exposure to that and perhaps, you know, the first bug of performing by at such a young age watching some of the best performers in the world do what they do. So obviously, and uh, I, I, uh, I even talked about it on this podcast during COVID last year, uh, since I've been going to concerts, I've always saved my ticket stubs. Now, sadly, I do not have the ticket stubs from my Sonny and Cher concert or show, whatever you want to call it, or any of the shows from the Mill Run because I was too young. But the first concert stub I ever saved was my Elton John uh, concert stub from July 27, 1976. And that sort of started the uh, the tradition of me saving my my concert stubs. And while I think maybe a couple have gotten lost in uh, the shuffle of of the last uh, you know forty some years, uh, not that many have been lost. I I pretty I, I did make a point to to keep them all. And um, just last year. I've been saving all of my concert stubs, not just my Elton John concert stubs, which I'm still stuck at 197 Elton John concerts. I would have been over 200 by now, and probably at this point in 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 2021, if there had been no pandemic, most likely within the next month or so, sometime probably in November, I would assume that's the way it would have been. Elton's farewell tour would have been ending. And so I probably would have seen one of the last Elton John tours ever. I think he was still planning on performing. But now this farewell tour has been delayed by more than a year and a half. And uh, he's got shows planned at least now to finish this tour up with all the postponements. It's going to go into 2023. And who knows? It could go even longer. At this point, he will be 76 years old when he ends. Um, Now, I do have Elton John tickets for shows that have been rescheduled for February of 2022. Now, we'll see. That's only, you know, how many months away? We'll see. It's five months away, but I'm, I'm almost worried about that show in February because if history repeats itself, regardless of the vaccine, we've seen that the surge can happen even with the vaccine because there's so many people that have been vaccinated. I'm assuming that we're going to have another post-holiday surge like we did last year. And if that's the case, it could easily extend into february especially the shows here in chicago are in early february february 4th and 5th so i can't even say with a lot of confidence that i will that those shows in february will be on i'm hoping i'm having my fingers crossed if everything goes according to plan i had a very cool plan all set up when i originally bought the tickets to all these concerts that I have in hand but haven't used now to see Elton. Uh, I had it all worked out that the 200th show would have been at Madison Square Garden in New York, which I think is fitting. It's Elton's favorite venue. I've seen many, many shows there with Elton, and that is the spot where he dedicated a song to me three years ago. And so I thought that would be a very fitting place 
to have my 200th show, but then everything went up in smoke. And while the New York shows have been rescheduled, they had been rescheduled later than the shows I also had in hand. And so now it appears that my 200th show will be in Detroit, Michigan in early February. So not even in Chicago, because I guess I could go to an earlier show. There are a couple of shows in early January, so I guess I could go to, if I could get a ticket now at this point, maybe one of those shows before that, and then Chicago indeed would be my 200th show. So maybe I could do that. But I'll be honest with you, I don't even want to... I don't even want to start buying more tickets to shows because I don't know if those shows are going to happen. So that has certainly been a part of the pandemic that has affected my my life in a in a very real way. Going to concerts and seeing live music is has been a, a major portion of my life. As I said, during COVID, I went back and I I counted all of my ticket stubs that I have on hand, Elton and other artists otherwise. And while I think there may be a few concerts where I know that I went and I didn't see the ticket stubs there, but I think most of them I do have. And at last count, when I counted them a few months ago, and I hadn't seen a concert, obviously there was no concerts to be had last year, uh, by any major artists, I had been to 538 total concerts, so 197 Elton shows, and what, another, you know, more than 300 other concerts by other people, including almost 50 shows uh, by Bruce Springsteen, who is number is the second most concerts I have attended. And just before COVID hit and shut everything down in, uh, on March 12th or so of 2020, I was in New York in Madison Square Garden on February 19th to see the Eagles perform their album Hotel California in its entirety as well as playing some of their other hits. It was a great show. Uh, at that point, the COVID pandemic was just beginning to make a stir. That was February 19th. Uh, But there certainly was no expectations that it was going to have this global impact or that it was going to have or even come to the United States. And if it did, it, it certainly, there was no hint at that stage. Even just to show you how fast this thing really changed and turned. On February 19th, Right now, I believe it was like March 11th or 12th of 2020, uh, of 2019. No, right? No, of 2020, when when all this happened and uh, when everything shut down. And here on February 19th, that wasn't even on our radar screens. It wasn't even a concern. I flew to New York. I was in cabs. I was in the indoor Madison Square Garden Arena, which holds at least 20,000 people. I was walking around. I mean, and there was, you know, in the concourses around the city, in restaurants. Nobody wore a mask. There was not even, there was no sense of anything. It was, it was business as usual. 
and less than a month later, everything was shut down. It happened that fast. We may forget about that because it seems like it's such a long time ago, and it has been almost now, you know, more than a year and a half. But it's amazing how fast it changed. From mid-February, there was just little brief mentionings of a possible virus that was, you know, in China. And that was all that was said. I went to New York without any hesitation, without any second thoughts. And, uh, you know, as I said before, in a, you know, indoors, Madison Square Garden, 20,000 people on planes with no mask, in cabs with no masks, in restaurants with no masks, not a thought. And then less than a month later, everything shut down. So uh, music and live music especially has been a, a played a major role in my life. And uh, so, yeah, during this, this COVID situation, uh, certainly during the lockdown of 2020, and even now during the still, uh, you know, the, the restrictions, and we've seen it, there was this brief moment for about a month when, as I said, when it happened, it seems very premature and very irresponsible to say that the pandemic is over, which was, and we are now in, in the middle of proof that it certainly wasn't. So we got like a month of quasi-freedom. I don't know if it was worth it. Um, but, uh, but aside from that, it's, it's, we were, you know, at least I have remained very diligent. I have been vaccinated. My wife and I, uh, you know, have, have st- always been remain wearing masks, even when we were told we don't have to wear masks anymore. Um, but at the same time, as diligent and as upfront about being serious about this, and 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 taking a hard line on being responsible as i have been publicly and i have no problems with that um at the same time my wife and i have not been hermits we have extended our social footprint on occasion even dating into last year when there was no vaccine but we were diligent and we were responsible we always wore masks. We have been uh, now, as I speak to you in um, in mid mid to late September, um, since the pandemic started, we have been on three separate vacations. We went to Lake Tahoe uh, in uh, in October of twenty twenty. We went to uh, Arizona in Sedona in February, and uh, we recently went to uh, Colorado in uh, in late August and early September. And so we have been on planes. We have been in airports. So we have extended. We haven't sat, and we have, you know, we have not been going out with. Uh, you know, we have not seen friends as, as much or, or and we have not seen family as much. We have not socialized at all. We have used technology with Zoom. Um, we have really we've only gone to one indoor restaurant in early June. And that, as I talked about, didn't feel all that comfortable to me. And and then the, the surge started happening. We have we have delayed 
some other vacations that we had, a major kind of once-in-a-lifetime trip to, at the time, which was going to be a celebration of our 30th anniversary, we've had to push back. And in fact, we were it was, it was postponed two times in 2020. We had it scheduled for January of 2022, and given the current state of affairs, not only in the United States, but in Europe, we have postponed that trip again to now January of 2023. So I believe as as much as I have been out front and and public about my uh, views on, in my view, being diligent, being responsible, following the science, getting the vaccine, staying masked up, uh, I think for the most part, I have talked the talk and walked the walk. I have altered and adapted. And I've said that at the beginning of this year. Last year, you know, I think we had to be responsible. This year, when, when the vaccine started, my, my mantra was to adapt. And, and you can find ways to have fun, but you're still going to have to adapt. You can't just do what you want to do. And we tried to do that as a society here. And I think, you know, the CDC and the president, you know they were way too over optimistic i thought it was they were irresponsible in in telling people to take their masks off and telling people to hug one another uh that was was way 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 too premature and just folly and 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 much too much optimism and it's it's proven the case that was just wrong we knew the delta variant was out there it already had been in Europe and been in the UK. We knew it was out there, and we knew that it most likely would come here. So to have told people to um, to stop wearing masks indoors uh, was, I thought, really irresponsible. Knowing that this that this Delta variant, which is much more contagious and potentially much more dangerous, was out there, was was victimizing people, and would most likely come on our shores. To have done that. Uh, I thought was was bad. So, but my point is, while I have been diligent, at the same time, I have not. My wife and I have not contracted COVID. We have stayed COVID free. We know friends that have gotten COVID. Some have had an easy time with it. Some have had a very difficult time. Some have said it was the worst experience they ever went through. Thankfully, none of them were hospitalized. Uh, thankfully, no one that I know has passed away. But it was certainly something that they wouldn't wish on anyone. And when I saw and heard those stories, it made me more dedicated to make sure that we were responsible and diligent. So we have remained. And some of our, our friends have widened their social um, you know, activities, and they have gone to major events indoors with no masks. And um, you know, they've been vaccinated. I know some some people, some of my friends have not been vaccinated as well. And I and I hope and I keep my fingers crossed for them. Um, so yeah, I w- I'm, perhaps within our group of friends and family, we have been certainly more on the conservative side of of just 
staying home and staying masked and staying social distanced and not going out uh, like other people have. And that's been our life for the last 18 months. But at the same time, as I said, we have gone out. We have, we haven't been complete hermits. We have gotten, we've been to airports. We've been on planes. We've been in hotels and we have stayed social, socially just so we've been out and about, we've been to other places, but we've had a change of scenery, but we, here's the key. We've had a change of scenery, but we haven't had a change of behavior. And I think that's the important distinction. So those vacations really weren't some kind of a total release from the clutches and the uh, the restraints of COVID. No, they were a change of scenery. But we went about our behavior in very much the same way. So if we got food, we had takeout food. If we did eat uh, somewhere in a public place, it was outside. And if we did get some takeout, we brought it back to our hotel room, which, you know, had, you know, a, a kitchen type of situation with a, with a table. So we just ate in. And during the day, we would do activities, but we would be by ourselves. We weren't sitting in bars. We weren't sitting in restaurants. And you could say, well, that didn't sound like so much fun. Well, it was for me. In not my my goal was to have some fun, but to have a change of scenery, but not to be irresponsible. And so we have gone to these three on these three separate occasions to three separate places in the country, and we have come back COVID free. And only one of those during those trips had we been double vaccinated, vaccinated. The first two in October of last year and February of this year, we still had not received the vaccines. So we were diligent and we did not alter our behavior, but we still had a very nice time. That was my point. Adapting. Not just throwing your hands up and saying enough is enough because the virus doesn't care if you're tired of it. It doesn't really care. And as I said, uh, you know, we've uh, we've had to cut down on our socializing. And from my standpoint, yeah, I, I believe me, like I said, we, we, we have canceled some this major trip, this major vacation, a once in a lifetime trip that would be on another part of the world to celebrate our, you know, I've wanted to go to this 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 spot my whole life. And I now have to wait. And I've even pushed it back another year. We, we would be going. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be happening, if the trip will be canceled anyway in January. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe the, the company itself will, will cancel that trip. I don't know. But we're not on it anymore. Our now new booked date is for January of 2023. So I think that I've been consistent. I think that I have put my money where my mouth is. I have remained diligent. Um, I've, I have found ways to adapt and to at least live a, you know, have some, some fun in life, but at the same time, realize the seriousness of this, realize that I don't know how my body is going to react to it. And so I don't want to 
to test it. I don't want to take the chance. But I have missed probably most of all of anything else that the the, the COVID pandemic has uh, inflicted on us as social beings. I have missed going to see concerts. It's one of my great passions. And so, interestingly enough, I'm here to report that I have been to two concerts in the last couple of months. So, once again, uh, I'm not, you know, oh, you know, get out there. I'm, you know, the, the, the one argument you keep hearing from people that either just have had enough or they, they don't want to get a vaccine or they don't want to wear a mask. Oh, I'm just sick and tired of it. Enough is enough type of thing. Uh, that is not my view on this. However, I certainly have, as I said before, expanded my social footprint in what I would say is a responsible way. And as I sit here today, after having gone to two concerts indoors, indoors, how's that? Indoors. Only been to one restaurant, but been to two concerts <laughs> indoors, but in a responsible way. So I have had tickets to several uh, concerts, not only Elton John concert, but other concerts in hand that have been postponed over the last year and a half. So when, you know, when when the CDC gave their ridiculous edict that you can take your mask off and just go nuts and hug everybody and go indoors and don't worry about anything, uh, that I, I did not follow those rules. I followed the old rules because I felt that that was very irresponsible. But as if you remember back in May and June, once that edict came, well, then, oh, my gosh, you were hearing about movie theaters are going to open up again and concerts were going to start again. And all of a sudden there was all these announcements of, of this person is going to start a tour and tickets go on sale for this and tickets go on sale for that. And Broadway is opening and get your Broadway tickets. In fact, uh, now Broadway is officially open and we'll see how long that lasts. You do have to be vaccinated. You have to wear a mask, but it's indoors. But uh, all of a sudden, there was this sense that we were living now in a post-pandemic world. I thought that was that was a uh, that was a, a foolish thought, which I think is proven correct. But uh, there was such a pent-up uh, frustration and restlessness in our culture that once there was some official body official administration that was telling us that we could go out and and have fun again and go back to normal which is what there were they were touting back in may as silly as that sounded and as silly now as it's proven to be um everybody every any kind of business restaurants sporting events concerts plays they quickly just whoa they went to they went from zero to a hundred tickets on sale productions ready to go they're just all boom they were back in business 
I did not uh, jump on that bandwagon, but I, as I said, I've had men, I have many concert tickets in hand over the last 15, 16, 17 months that I had bought in 2019 for shows that were planned in 2020 that were postponed. Well, lo and behold, one of those shows of which I had tickets in hand was uh, to a, t- a concert that had been canceled twice before and now was going to be held in July. I think I believe it was July 18th here in Chicago by the uh, Canadian legend Gordon Lightfoot. And you may know Gordon Lightfoot from some great songs like obviously Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, If You Could Read My Mind, Carefree Highway. The Circle is... Uh, What is it? The circle is strong. Is it strong? Uh, many others. And I've always wanted to see Gordon Lightfoot. He's 80. At the time when I bought the tickets, he was 80. Or just about to turn 81. Now he's 82. And uh, this was one of the first concerts to be rescheduled and to be held. It was in mid-July. We were the At that point... The numbers had begun to show a small increase, but we weren't at the spiking surge that had happened just a couple of weeks later in August. And so with a little trepidation and still responsible, we decided, my wife and I decided to go to this concert Indoors, I think it was a, a theater. It wasn't a big arena, obviously. Gordon Lightfoot can't uh, you know, command that. So it was probably a 1,500-seat theater in Chicago where he was performing. And um, while it, we were a little hesitant, we decided we would go, but we would wear our mask throughout the concert. Now, when we got there, you know, this was still in this kind of post-pandemic pandemic world here. This euphoria that we had for about a month and a half. And so we were definitely the minority in terms of wearing masks. Uh, I, I, I mean, I saw a few people here and there in the lobby and here and there sitting in their seats wearing the masks throughout the show. And even from when we walked into the lobby and we were, you know, congregating and we even saw some people that we wound up um, knowing and they weren't wearing masks. And they even asked us, oh, so you're wearing your mask? I said, yeah, yeah, I am. I did see a few people wearing masks, but we certainly were in the minority. And you know what? Jimmy cracked corn and I didn't care. I felt like, okay, I'm going to you know, extend my social footprint. I'm not living in fear, but I'm also not going to live carelessly. I, we were vaccinated, and I still felt, regardless, I saw these numbers going on. I saw that the, that the virus was, was beginning to spread. And so I said, regardless if I'm vaccinated, and I was vaccinated in, in, in late April, so... By July, you know, it's, you know, I should have certainly, you know, there shouldn't have been any 
according to the president and according to the CDC, I should have had no worries. But I have been, you know, I've been watching the news and, and I saw that not only was the Delta variant spreading, beginning to pick up steam, but, but we were staring about these breakthrough cases of people that had been vaccinated were also getting it. And so even though the numbers weren't huge, I've been following this. I think you have to, if you're, if you're being responsible, you should. I was seeing it spreading in other states. I saw it spreading in, in lower part, in the southern part of Illinois. It wasn't at a, at a surge or a uh, you know kind of peak level, spike level yet, but it certainly was moving in that direction. So whether I was looking like a socially cast out nervous Nelly, I didn't care one bit. And we went to the concert, but we wore a mask. From the minute we parked the car, when we walked from the parking lot outside, we had the mask on. We had it when we walked in. We had it in the lobby. We had it when we sat down in our seat. We had it throughout the concert. And we had it when we left. And we took it off when we got back in the car. Now, I have to say, uh, and, and, and to be honest with you, Having worn this mask any time I've gone out, whether it's been to a grocery store, as I said, we have we have gone out uh, on, to some extent, but on, on a daily basis, on a regular basis, uh, mostly it's just been to get essentials. It's been that way since March 20th. It's basically been the essentials. Grocery stores, other stores that need to get, uh, but that's been it. That's what we've been doing. We have been in social situations where there are people, but we've worn a mask. But for the most part, we have still stayed, I wouldn't say quarantined, but certainly stayed close to home, and we have not overindulged in our socialization. We have gone on a couple of vacations, and even on those, as I said, we still stayed relatively uh isolated with ourselves and social distanced and outside when we could. So this was an this was a big thing. This was being this was it was a, a very strange, I don't know, by this point perhaps everybody that I'm talking to right now you have been in a, in a, in an indoor uh crowded situation whether you've been wearing a mask or not. So maybe you've you and so I don't know how you felt, but I can tell you now that in July, when I walked in there and there was hardly anyone wearing masks indoors, I did feel a little uncomfortable, even with my mask on. And it was a little daunting. And this is someone that's been, I've gone to see concerts in very small venues or I've been in you know stadiums that hold more than 100,000 people, right? So I've been... Uh, you know, I've been in crowds. I've been in mosh pits. I've been, you know, I've 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 certainly been uh, in big crowds, parts of big crowds. And yet, it had been a long time since I had been February nineteenth, to be exact. And so, you figure that was July. So it was what, maybe seventeen months from when the last, almost to the day, really, 
I think this was July 18th, and the last time that I went to a concert was February 19th. So it was, it was almost to the day, 17 months. And uh, it was strange. I really didn't care at all about the, the peer pressure or, or whatever looks I was getting of wearing the mask. Uh, that I didn't care about. But it was just strange being close to people like that because we had been socially distanced and, or, and for the most part, my wife and I had been you know, pretty isolated with ourselves over the last year and a half. So this was, it was an odd situation. And when we sat down in our seat, uh, as luck would have it, in our row there were there was we had we were sitting toward the front, and for whatever reason, I'm not sure, maybe some people didn't come, I don't know. But what was interesting was there in our row, it was a row, it was pretty close to a sellout crowd. There were little patches of empty seats, but for the most part, I was really surprised at how many people did decide to come to this show, whether they whether it was sold out. Or not, I don't know, but it was a it was a pretty good crowd, and this had to have been for many people the first show that they had been to, I would think, of this size because they just weren't being held. And I believe even Gordon Lightfoot said that this was his first concert back. Um, and so it was a good show. I enjoyed myself. I think Gordon Lightfoot you know, uh, is a little old. <laughs> He's showing his age. Uh, he lived, he lived a hard life as he's admitted with drinking and drugs. And I think it's taken its toll on him. He still was able, he played guitar just expertly, uh, very well, but that voice, he, he was actually taking oxygen and throughout the show and, and, and uh and and like spraying stuff up his nose. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, he's 82 years old. So the uh, the thing is if I didn't know I was there to see Gordon Lightfoot, I wouldn't have known that that was Gordon Lightfoot. He physically has changed quite a bit from the way he looked in the 70s at his prime. He was a very kind of a bigger, rugged-looking guy. And now he probably weighed 135 pounds, soaking wet. And he had this long, gray, stringy hair. And even his face didn't seem to look like Gordon Lightfoot. It was, it was just, he looked physically different. And I hadn't seen Gordon Lightfoot in, in decades. And so to, to see, and I saw this documentary about him before. Uh, the show I had, I bought the tickets before I saw this documentary. To be honest with you, I've always loved Gordon Lightfoot's music, but if I had seen the documentary before I bought the tickets, I probably wouldn't have bought the tickets because they did show him performing. And while it was fine, that unique, husky Gordon Lightfoot voice is not there anymore. It's very fragile voice, and it's 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 very thin voice. It it doesn't have the timber it used to. And as I said, physically, he doesn't look like Gordon Lightfoot anymore. So if I would have seen that, as much as I w- would would have liked to seen him perform some of these songs that I really like and love in some cases, and have you know for decades. 
I would have probably, if I would have seen that documentary, I probably said, well, you know what? I guess I missed the boat on seeing him. Because if you, I talked about on this podcast uh, several years ago, probably in 2019, before this all happened, that one of my goals was to to see, because I've seen so many concerts, but what I did want to do is see some of the performers that I had never seen before one last time and maybe see some of my my favorites one last time. So I was very intent on continuing my concert going right up until most of my favorite acts were gone or weren't performing anymore. That was kind of my my goal over the next five to six years, as many of my favorites are in their 70s and, and now in the 80s. Look at Charlie Watts of the Rolling Stones just passed away. So many of, of the rock and roll legends are in their mid to late 70s. So there's a good chance within five or six or seven or ten years, especially many of, of those rock stars who are still around, within the next five to ten years most likely will not be. And if they haven't passed away, they certainly probably won't be performing. But after seeing Gordon Lightfoot, I I, I have a new perspective on this. I was impressed with the way the Eagles played and performed Hotel California in February. But you know what? That was 18 months ago. And, And I don't know now. I mean, you know, with with these people being in their mid to late 70s, you know, every year, Ed, you know, takes away a little something from it doesn't matter who you are, what kind of great shape you're in. And so I'm wondering, do I want really now I'm, you know, talk about, you know, are you rethinking, you know, people say, well, you know, use the um, and I've said it too, you know, this has been a unique time in history for for in, for the human race. And, and, and when we finally do get out of this, hopefully it still is going to be a couple of years at least. I think it's going to be many more years, at least three to four, to be honest with you. But you should use this time to reflect on your own life because it's not very often that you get a chance to to do this kind of reflection because life, to some extent, has it stopped for a while, and it, at the very least, it has slowed down. And it's a unique situation when the world, most times, people themselves make the decision to slow their lives down. But in this case, the world decided for us, and that's the difference. And and it's still deciding for us. And so I would think that we should all use this time that we've had to reflect on what we were, who we were, who we are, and who we want to be moving forward. Because we've had a chance to stop and reflect a little more because the 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 amazing pace of life the always moving and always speeding by pace of life was significantly slowed down and in some cases just stopped which then should give us reason to stop and pause and say well let's see now that now that the you know the moving sidewalk has stopped um do I want to stay on that pace when it starts up again? Was I doing that out of necessity or out of my own preference? And if it was out of just necessity and not preference, now is the chance to say, you know what, I'm going I'm to choose preference rather than keeping up. So a lot of people have made a lot of you know life-altering 
perspective changes because of COVID. And I have to say that uh, I don't think I will be going to as many concerts as uh, I initially thought I would. Not just because of the safety aspect, which still plays a role, because whether it is whether it's safe or not, many of these big tours are going on. The Rolling Stones are beginning their tours, and Genesis is going to have a big reunion tour with Phil Collins barely hanging on with his own health issues. COVID aside, he was he's been in pretty poor health. So uh, there's been a lot of bands that have that eagerly and enthusiastically and and over-optimistically, once the all-clear was sounded back in May, planned on, you know, turning the key and and starting up the big engine and getting those big tours going again. And now many of them had to have canceled. I know Garth Brooks has canceled um, his tour, and we'll see what, what happens moving forward. Some tours have been going on, some haven't. But, um... After having gone through this, after having seen a few shows, when I saw the Gordon Lightfoot show, I just said to myself, you know what, I don't know. Maybe I should, if, 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 I, if I haven't seen somebody yet and they're in their late 70s or mid-70s, I don't know if I'm really seeing who I want to see. And if I have seen a, a band Maybe I don't want to see them at this stage in their lives and careers. And I say that, too, because in 2019, I went to see The Who at Madison Square Garden. And even Pete Townsend during the show admitted it was a sloppy show. And it wasn't The Who that I remember seeing so many great shows over the last you know 30 or 40 years. And so... After seeing The Who, I, I sort of was beginning to get like, well, maybe I need to rethink this. And uh, The Eagles certainly did a, a fine job when I saw them in February. But then when everything stopped, I did start to take a step back. And seeing Gordon Lightfoot in July, I sort of said, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And as I said before, I you know, I try. This is the the key of this. While I certainly enjoyed the show, I still was very cognizant and very aware of my surroundings. It was the first time we were in a, an indoor crowd of that size, and even though we were masked and even though we were vaccinated, it was still a little unnerving because, you know, that all clear by the CDC in May went from zero to 100. Okay, don't wear your mask, go indoors, kiss people, hug people, don't worry. And then that became the rule of the day. So we never had a chance to really gradually, after being isolated and quarantined for over a year and a half, we like we do with everything else we did we do nothing in moderation in this country or even in this world but certainly in this country and so we went from zero to a hundred again and i would have preferred to have an a little kind of time to get used to being in a smaller crowd and then maybe a little bigger crowd and then maybe a bigger crowd but we went from zero to a hundred and like i said my wife and i and a friend we went to a restaurant one time and and 
in in early June when everything was supposedly fine, but thankfully the restaurant wasn't very crowded, so we were socially distanced, not by design, but just by the realities of how many people were in the restaurant. But later on, more people came in, and thankfully we were almost done because I was feeling uncomfortable. I didn't get a chance to get used to being in that big crowd again. And it, and as much as I enjoyed the Gordon Lightfoot concert, um, I was very aware of my surroundings, and especially the fact that so many people were unmasked. Because in the back of my mind, I knew that this Delta variant, from based on the information I was seeing, what was happening in Europe, it was the numbers were beginning to come here. And so I was cognizant. It was it did hover over the event for me. So to be fair to, to, to Gordon Lightfoot too, I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe some of that was my own making. Maybe it was a great show. I enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong. But I wonder maybe how much I was distracted by the realities of where I was and what was happening. And, and was I ready to make this next step as at that time, we were opening up and coming back and reopening society. Within two weeks after that, everything was beginning to shut down again and the real concerns were beginning to be voiced. So it was very short-lived. That said, once again, I've talked to you about how, yes, I'm an Elton John fan, but certainly I'm a big Bruce Springsteen fan. And uh, if you go back and listen, or if you remember, I was very hard on Bruce Springsteen back in February when news came out that he had been arrested on a DUI in November. I was very tough with him. I called him a COVID hypocrite. Uh, this was a an arrest uh, for driving uh, under the influence on his motorcycle that happened in November, and yet it it was not made public until February, so there was clearly a cover-up going on somewhere. Springsteen didn't mention it. It was not reported anywhere. That's that's public knowledge. It should have been reported by somebody. So there was clearly an effort to keep this under wraps. And then right after he did a Jeep commercial on the Super Bowl, a couple you know, for a car, right? Here's a guy who has a DUI. From November, in January and February, he's, he's filming, and in February, he's starring in a commercial about driving a car, a Jeep, when he knows he had a DUI in November, even though it wasn't reported. But somebody then, after seeing that commercial who knew about it, decided, well, that looks hypocritical, and they leaked the story, and then the whole thing broke. And I felt, as much as I have admired Bruce Springsteen for much of my life, I was very disappointed in him personally. So, and I said at the time, as I was, you know, criticizing him for his behavior during this entire thing, not only the DUI itself, but then not owning up to it, not talking about it, not making a statement about it, clearly having it covered up and taken care of. He wound up paying a $500 fine. There's still a lot of questions around that, but it's Bruce Springsteen and the media loves him and and everyone loves him, and so I think he got a pass. As much as I 
respect him as an artist, I think he got a pass, and I think he was a hypocrite because I think he he should have owned up to it. He should have talked about it in, in detail. He should have admitted to it. We shouldn't, you know. Once again, I've said, where, where, why didn't we see the mugshot? Why didn't we see Bruce Springsteen's mugshot? He was arrested. He was put in jail. So there's a mugshot. He was booked. We haven't seen that mugshot. Why not? I'll tell you why. Because the media likes Bruce Springsteen, and so they they don't they take care of their own <laughs> to take a they take a to take a a song title from Bruce's own songs. But um, but I did say as 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 harsh as I was on him during that period in February, I did say I will always respect him as an artist. I will always respect and still love his music, and I will always respect him as a performer. And I did say that I would probably still go to see him as a performer. He uh, he went down a few steps in my view as a as a as a person of of high moral standards of which he has always professed. So that was disappointing. And that hasn't changed. But I, I always said I can uh, separate the artist from the person, and I will always have great respect and admiration for his art, his music, and his performance. And so in the midst of all this, once again, society was opening. In, mid-gen, in mid-June, it was announced that Bruce Springsteen was going to Open up Broadway officially. Be the first show on Broadway. The other shows were going to open in September, but Bruce doing his one-man show, bringing back his one-man show from 2017 and 2018. Springsteen on Broadway was going to be the official heralding back of Broadway, and he was going to do a limited run from late June to early September in New York. And so I had seen... The one-man show, Springsteen on Broadway, when it first played in, uh, on Broadway in 2017 and 2018. And so being a Bruce Springsteen fan, still respecting his music and his performance, um, and with the, uh, the strict protocols, with which, once again, I would not have gone if not for the fact that to get in, you had to show your proof of vaccination, and you had to wear a mask throughout the show by the time i went in august you had to wear a mask when the show started masks were not were not required because in early june we were still in this euphoria that the pandemic was over but you still had to show a uh, proof of vaccination and that was still the case the difference now when i went was that you had to wear a mask and to be honest with you it was only because of that that i did decide to go so I got a ticket, and I did go in August. And I have to say, once again, I have seen Bruce Springsteen now 48 times, including this show, in August. And I've always been impressed by his performance. And uh, it, it just, it, I just connect with him as an artist and a performer. You know, and it's it's just a different, it's a whole different kind of of vibe, much different than when I see Elton. So it's, a, it's a whole different vibe. 
And so I was excited to see this show, but I was also, again, apprehensive. Um, because now, by August, you know, the Delta vi- the variant was, 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 was doing its job. It was infecting people. And so now, even though I was going to be masked, I was going to go to an airport, I was going to go in a cab, and I was going to go indoors into a venue sitting shoulder to shoulder for almost two and a half hours in this small indoor place. In theory, yes, everybody there was double vaccinated. I mean, that, unless people had counterfeit vaccination card so i guess in theory so there was a sense of safety and i did have my mask on so i guess it's no different than going to a grocery store or a department store but it is in that i'm sitting sitting shoulder to shoulder i'm not doing that in a in a even with with all our masks on i'm not doing that in a store i'm still socially distanced so i was apprehensive as well but i had already bought the ticket I felt that they were taking responsible precautions. I was going to wear a mask even back in June. If you know, even back in June, I bought the thing. I'm like, I don't care what's going on. I'm still wearing a mask, so it didn't really matter to me. So I did feel somewhat safe. I've been vaccinated. In theory, all of my fellow concert goers were vaccinated, and I was going to wear a mask. So I felt going in very safe until I got in. Yes, you had to wear a mask during the performance, is what they said. But that was one of those little, you know, little cleverly crafted, uh, (laughs) you know, type of uh, little disclaimers. I got there about, you know, 45 minutes before the show. I sat in my seat. The place was relatively empty at the time. And as time went on, people started to come in. You had to get there early just because of the the added security to get in with them checking your 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 vaccination card. And let's be honest, yes, everybody they checked it, but there, it was not checked with great scrutiny by any means. You know, an usher looked at it and said, "With, with your ID," and said, "Okay." <laughs> so right there, I as I was going in, I felt a little less. I was like, "Okay, this seems very cursory." But I had my mask on and I had my vaccination, so I was still somewhat, you know, (laughs) confident. But I must say that my apprehension wasn't as low as I thought it would be. When I sat down in my seat, there was were, were relatively it was still relatively empty. Nobody was around me. But as people started to come in, I was observing everybody. I was there by myself, and I'm just so I had nothing to do but look around. And I'm seeing people sitting in their little group with each other, not wearing their mask. You had to wear your mask through the performance, but apparently not before the performance. And if you did, nobody was enforcing this. So people were sitting next to one another without a mask, talking to one another. People were going up near the stage, taking pictures in front of the stage, even though that was a very sparse stage. But, oh, you know, so of course they take their mask down. So now I'm getting a little antsy because I'm like, okay, you know, you promised me a vaccinated room 
with masks all the time, and I'm not seeing that at all. And, and so I was starting to feel the realities of the situation. And, of course, I'm also observing people, and those who had masks on, I'm seeing that the mask was under their nose. <laughs> if you don't have the mask over your nose, don't bother to wear it. It's a chin warmer then. If you've taken a COVID test, you know. What? How do they test you for COVID? Do they stick the swab in your ear? No. Do they stick the swab in your mouth? No. They stick the swab in your nose. So if you don't wear your mask over your nose, then what are you doing? Clearly the nose is the is the most uh, serious place for either contracting it. That's where you will most likely breathe in. And if you have your mouth closed, you're probably breathing out through your nose. So if you have... COVID and not feeling the symptoms and they're living in your nose, you're breathing them out onto other people. If you're not going to wear the mask over your nose, then don't bother to wear it. You can't do it half-assed. I was seeing a lot of half-assed mask wearing in this in this theater before the concert, if, if, if not completely no mask wearing. So that bugged me. Until about 10 minutes before the show started, and now the place started to really fill up. Then all of a sudden, coming down the aisles were the ushers with big signs that said, mask up, please wear your mask. And they were making an announcement, please wear your mask, you have to wear a mask, you will, you know, but they, they really weren't enforcing it still. I, while they were saying, literally, I, I, was, I was going crazy because... There was a couple that were about two or three rows ahead of me, right on the aisle, right. The woman with the sign was right next to this woman, right next to her on the aisle with the sign that said, please wear your mask. And her and her husband or her date or her friend, whatever it was, continued to talk completely oblivious to the mask sign, and they were not wearing their mask. And I was like, can you believe this? These are the things I shouldn't, this is my point. You shouldn't, I shouldn't be thinking about this when I'm at this concert, right? I should be thinking about how exciting this concert is going to be. And when the lights went down, I'll be honest, the, I, the first place I looked was not at the stage when Bruce Springsteen started to walk out. It was to my right to see if those people were finally wearing their masks. And they were. But they must have put them on at the very last second. But my point is, I, I, I flew from Chicago to New York to see Bruce Springsteen. And now here I was. I had really good seats, which is the other reason why I went. If I didn't have even this good of a seat, I probably wouldn't have gone, given the way the COVID was spiking. I probably would have eaten the ticket, to be honest. But I had a really good seat. And instead of, being lost in this moment, because I've said to you, that, I mean, going to see a Springsteen concert is is a whole different vibe. It's a, it's a really a connection kind of a concert. It's a communal connection kind of a concert. So I, instead of being focused now on that figure, on Bruce Springsteen, of why I came, why I went to the you know, to the airport, got on the plane, landed, got in a 
you know, in a cab, went to the hotel, and now went to this venue, you know, exposed myself to the most public, uh, you know, kind of interaction that I've had in, you know, 18 months. I did it because of Bruce Springsteen, right? And yet, when he first walked out on the stage, I looked at these people on my right to see if they were wearing their mask. As compelling as this Springsteen on Broadway show is, and it really is, especially if you're a Bruce Springsteen fan, he was engaging, he was funny, it was much more emotional than the first time I saw the show because of of the life that has been lived now in the in the in the three years since he finished doing the last incarnation in 2018 he's now over 70 years old he was arrested for dui which he did briefly talk about he put out a new album and now we're in the midst of this covid so a lot has happened to him personally as well as to us as a society and it was a very emotionally charged show he did change a few uh, things around and added some new songs but the overall tone of the show was very emotional. It was still funny. It was still engaging. There's no question. But there were moments of real deep drama and real deep emotion that were not there before to the point that I, I counted that he, he, he cried visibly at least five times telling these stories about his life and his songs that were so personal to him. He cried five times during the show. I didn't see that the other two times I saw it back in 2017 and 2018. So clearly, the, the the pandemic has weighed on him. His mother um, just um, commemorated 10 years with Alzheimer's, of which that was a, a definitely a moment where he cried. And given that my mom had Alzheimer's at the end of her life, I could certainly relate. So it was a very emotionally charged show. But as compelling as he was, and this show was Packed with pathos and drama, much more than the first time. And I was up close. I could see it in his face. I could hear it in his voice. I could hear his voice cracking. The reality of being in that room with other people, this many people, and I'm still looking around with people. Are they all wearing their masks? I'm still kind of being paranoid. I had a I had a very good time. I was glad I went. But I have to say I was still aware of my surroundings. And that's not the way that you want to see a rock concert. That's the whole idea of a rock concert is the release and the freedom and the escapism of whatever has been going on in your day that day or in your life in that period, what is so great about the the power and the spirit of rock and roll and any kind of live performance is, and if you've got a, a performer who knows how to do it right, is that they will transcend you. They will take you out of your reality for a couple of hours. and And they will create a different atmosphere for you. You will get lost in their performance and their music, and they will take you out of whatever may be hovering over your life 
at that moment or your day that day. And as great as Bruce Springsteen is at transcending people and doing exactly that, even he wasn't able to overcome, at least for me, the reality of where we are today. I was still looking around at times, especially since the guy next to me for a while had his mask under his nose, which bugged the hell out of me. And this is what I'm saying. Here I am talking about the Bruce Springsteen show to you, and many of my memories, and I have some great memories of the performance itself, no question, but part of my memory of this show are these ancillary things about my surroundings because of the pandemic. They are as much a part of the memory of that show as the show itself. And I know of the 500 now 40 shows, these two shows I've seen now, which added to the 238, out of the 540 and probably a few more shows that I have seen, I can honestly say that I have very few memories of when those shows started of the of the of my surroundings or my my fellow concert goers i have great memories of the shows of the performances but i have very few memories of my surroundings at the time because my focus and my attention was squarely on that stage and what was coming out of it but at this time and even with bruce springsteen if anybody can cut through that it would be bruce springsteen and he gave a very powerful performance but even he is mortal and this pandemic at this point is proving to be immortal and so i do have great memories of that show from august 25th But I also have memories about people not wearing masks at that show and me being very aware of that. And so I don't know. I've got a few other concert tickets that are still outstanding that that the shows are still planned to happen in the next month or so. And I'm going to have to make a very difficult decision whether I want to see a compromised show because in my mind that's what this will be and that's what these have been up to this point compromised concerts compromised experiences yes the performers are out there giving their all and they are excited and and having as good of a time as the audience is because everybody has been isolated from the live concert experience the performer and the audience and you could feel that there was a sense of even we, while we had masks on and everything else, there still was that sense of, of release. But it was tempered. There was, they were compromised. I was aware. I wasn't completely transcended. I was aware of my surroundings. I wasn't able to escape the realities of which I've always usually have been able to, and that's why I've gone to concerts. 
And so I've got a couple more shows to see toward before the end of the year, and I'm going to have to decide because they're going to be indoors and they're going to be shoulder to shoulder. And I think they're going to, you're going to have to wear a mask and have to show your vaccination card. Once again, in theory, everybody in there will be vaccinated, but if Bruce Springsteen couldn't cut through that, then I don't know if anybody else can. So I don't know. Yes, I enjoyed myself. Yes, it was it was great to finally experience something that has been a major part of my life and something that I enjoy thoroughly, going to see a live concert. And so there I have been twice, seeing, seeing performers that I really wanted to see. These weren't just throwaways. One person who I've always wanted to see and got a chance to see, and somebody that I've seen many times and count among my most favorite and... Uh, and I don't even know. It's just, you know, my most favorite performers and artists of all time. What more could you ask, right? In New York, on Broadway, all the components were there. But it still was a little less than it used to be because there was another component there too. COVID. I'm not telling you what to do. But I'm just telling you to be aware. If you are going to continue to expand your social footprint, be aware that as much as you may try, and as much as the performer, if you're going to see a concert, may try, this is a very weird time we're living in, folks. And as much as you think or want to be free of this, Until it's really gone, it won't be gone. And so the question is, do you go out for the sake of going out and have a compromised experience? Or do you wait until the experience can be all it can be? I'll tell you, I have no answers to that. I really don't know. I'm glad I saw Bruce Springsteen, and yet I know it wasn't the transcending experience that it usually is, and I know why, because of COVID. We're still in this, folks. I said this in January, and I'm saying it again. The best we can expect and the best we can hope for until this goes away is do your best to adapt don't throw away all caution to the wind. That's what I tried to do. I adapted. And I have to say, the, the experience was fun, but it was compromised. Hopefully, we will get through this soon. And the things that we enjoy, we will enjoy to the fullest extent. But until this COVID is over, things will still be compromised. And so ends another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Don't forget every Monday a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast, we are there. And don't forget... Send a message, send a link, tell your friends, tell your family that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. 
and it should be theirs too. Your loyalty and devotion and that little extra effort is much appreciated. Hope you enjoyed episode number 278. I'm Jim Toronto. I ain't here on business. I'm only here for fun. You've been listening to Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic from the end of the web to your screen. <laughs>